welcome to the weekly podcast of River Valley Church. We're glad you're here. Our heart is to lead people to Jesus and launch them into their God-given purpose. So we pray you would encounter God in a fresh, new way today. To learn more about our church, visit rivervalley.org. Now, let's tune in to this week's message. So listen to me carefully. You can pay all your bills. Say, God, I got to make sure I do the mortgage. Got to make sure I do the light bill. Got to make sure I do this. And here's what's left over for you. Here's what God says. I can't accept that. I can only accept first. The tithe must be first. Now, let me tell you how this works out in my life. We get paid on the 15th and the 30th. I just go online on that date and I give the tithe. Comes in, goes to the church. The tithe is first. And a lot of people believe that when they tithe, they're giving to God. But you're not giving yet. You're only returning. Giving is when you give over most. So you just heard uh, the voice of one of my friends, Robert Morris, and I am thrilled uh, that he has just written a new book, Beyond Blessed. And uh, we tried to get him here, but how many know, like every church in America is trying to get him to come and preach for his new book. And even though last time we flew him up on a Friday and had him do it, he said, the weather's too cold, preach it yourself. All right, yeah. He came last time in February and he's like, why? Why did you do this to me? So anyways, uh, I do want to say this, that he has uh, two wonderful books, plenty of books, but The Blessed Life and Beyond Blessed. And we're going to use these in the series, but specifically with Beyond Blessed, uh, because it talks about strengthening your finances. It talks about strengthening your stewardship. It talks about all the practical things. Matter of fact, he says there are, there are really two legs that you walk on. One is giving and the other is stewardship, being generous and managing things. And he said, I, I had to write the follow-up book because people are like, okay, I got that part, but they were still so far in credit card debt. They were so far in college loans. They were upside down driving a Corvette when they should drive a Chevette. You know what I mean? He's like, <laughs> so they had to get it in line. And so uh, he said, I had to write that other book. So we're gonna be using that and we're gonna be talking about money. And, and, and again, I'm so thrilled that it came out right now while we're in our strengthened uh, year. Uh, if you remember, our theme is strengthened. And I was praying, God, help me to be able to preach this so that we can focus on all the aspects of giving, but really focus on strengthening your church. I want them to be stronger. I want them to be built up. I want them to understand that they can get this in line. Because I see from so many people, I see from so many people that they're struggling with finances. Um, it's said that uh, 90% of divorces that Finances are a part of that. It's very sad to see that. I, I, I would counsel, and back when I used to counsel a lot, now I, I rarely counsel, okay? I, 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 matter of fact, I just kind of outsource to all the professionals and say, hey, they're gifted in that area. I'm not. But when I used to counsel, I, I, I wasn't good at it, but I just started and every couple would come in and say, we're here for marriage counseling. I would listen to their problems. And within you know, five or six couples of coming in, I realized there's a pattern. And so they'd come in and rather than take 30 minutes for them to tell me their story, I would just say, okay, so you're struggling with communication. Your sex life isn't what you thought it would be and you're having money problems. And they're like, who told you? <laughs> I was like, okay, because the couple before you had the same problem. All right. 
It just, it's something that happens. It's something that happens. Money and finances is something that is very real to us. And there's a lot said in the Bible. Matter of fact, Jesus says a lot about finances and I won't go into it. It's not just the whole Bible, but Jesus says a lot about it. Matter of fact, um, in the times that Jesus lived, if a community didn't have a rabbi, they would say, if you don't have a rabbi, find the carpenter. Find the carpenter, because the carpenter was an educated person in the city. The carpenter was somebody that could weigh in on decisions. And Jesus talks a lot about things. And if you put him into our words, I mean, you think about, he's talking about prudent investments and architectural planning and finding lost money and wealth, estate planning. Uh, Think about, I mean, capital investments. He's talking about that. Sure, he talks about it with a farmer or this or that. But if we think about it in our terms, he was very wise with money and used it as illustrations. But we've got to get this area right. And I really believe that there's a lot said about money and there's a lot that's said about money in the Bible that is sad. Two scripture verses that are sad, and I'll read them just out of order, but you'll get the point. First Timothy 6.10, probably a lot of you understand this one or have heard it. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. I'm just having a moment here. I just... Think about people that chased after money and walk away from the faith, walk away from the God that loves them so much. That's the, the powerful pull of money. And in 1 Timothy 6, 9, it says, those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. So we better get this right. We better get it right. And so every year I preach on this And um, I want to let you know that I understand we're all in different places. And I'm just asking each of us to make a forward step. I'm asking each of us to make a forward step because I know we're we're all in different places today. And uh, I mentor our staff that are in their first five years of ministry. So if you're in your first five years of ministry, you have to meet with me at 7.30 in the morning on Tuesdays and, and uh, we get together and we have a mentoring time with them. And this week I said, fill my jury box. I said, when I preach a sermon series, I try to fill the jury box and I wanna know who's hearing the sermon and who they are. And, and so I, I said, I just try to get a picture of who I'm preaching to. Who do you think I'm preaching to? And they're like, oh, you're preaching to the single mom and she's just trying to figure out how to make it. You're preaching to that newly married couple that is just just trying to figure out what, how to make it, the new Christian that this will be new to. And then all of a sudden they switch. You're preaching to the greedy guy, the critical guy who wants to argue with you, the minimum giver guy. I was like, lighten up on the guys, you know, like, you know, ladies were all good, you know. And then they're like, oh, okay, yeah. And they said, well, how about the student that's just underneath all that debt or the generous couple? And they started going there. But I, I understand we're all in different spots and I want you to be strengthened. I want you to be strengthened. I want you to take another step. I want you to understand that there's something for you in this series. Now, right up front, uh, we're on the verge of starting these groups, so I'm going to let you know. Financial Peace University classes are starting. This series will only be just part of it, and uh, it can only go as long as when we have Kirk Cousins, okay? When he gets here, okay, series is over, and that's April 6th and 7th, and, uh, which, by the way, um, thinking about that, I just watched a video uh, talking about Kirk uh, Cousins and his life, and he's talking about the money that he has, but not like, hey, I got all sorts of money. He was saying, I have all this money, and I'm trying to figure out what God wants me to do with it. And in this video, he said, I've read 10 books on what God would want me to do with this. And he, this is his goal. He said, I actually have a goal of never giving less. 
And he said, if you understand, I'm at the peak of my career and I never want to give less to God. And I'm trying to figure out how that'll work. He met with the most generous giver in America, the Green family. He met with that family and he said, disciple me, like pour into me, help me understand. So I was like, man, I'm, I'm really looking forward to having Kirk there. Here's this guy taking it serious about the money, you know. And by the way, invite friends to that. 53% of people will never come to a church. Maybe having the quarterback for the Vikings will get them here. And don't wear your Packer gear. Don't do that. <laughs> I authorize all purple that weekend. All right, don't do that. But you got to get it right. You got to get it right. You got to get this right. We've got to get this. And, and uh, Financial Peace University is starting. It's a, it's a ministry that we have here. And if you want to be a part of it, you can text the word BLESSED to 41411. BLESSED to 41411. Normally, the class costs $110 because there's a lot of resources you get, all right? So you get, we give you the books and the stuff for it. We're, it's $50 now. We're just doing it for $50, and it's at the campuses. If it's not at your campus, you can join another one. Uh, we want people to be a part of this so they can get their finances strengthened. Now, as I said, Robert talked about uh, the two legs, the two legs, and we realized that we're giving, we're being generous, and then also we're being managers, stewards, we're taking care of it. And so I want to talk to you about that, um, that we are, we are stewards. And, and let me just read this scripture. Uh, I believe this phrase, uh, and I want to be clear, again, remember the jury box is full of all sorts of people. Sometimes people think, you know, we're preaching prosperity message at River Valley, and we're not. I am not saying give to get I'm saying you've been given so much, now give to God, all right? I, I, I say we've been blessed to be a blessing, and I absolutely love that. People say, well, what kind of church are you? Are you, are you is it poverty mentality? Is it prosperity? What is it? I say we are blessed to be a blessing. And I see that in Genesis chapter 12, verse 2, God speaking to Abraham, and he says, I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you, and I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. That's the way we live at River Valley. We believe that we have been blessed to be a blessing. And I believe that we need to get this right. And I don't want to forget God. And so we need to do this right. And it's interesting that as you are being blessed, it, it's interesting. John Wesley said this. He said, it's, it's, we better be aware of this. As God starts to bless us, if we forget him, our blessings will topple us over and destroy us. We are blessed to be a blessing. We've got to remember that as God blesses us, as we serve him, as we honor him, as we give generously and he starts pouring more blessings out onto us, we've got to remember to continue to be blessed to be a blessing or we can lose the very things that we started with. Now, the question is, uh, as we get this series started, to whom do I belong? I'll tell you this, you belong to God. If you are a Christian, you belong to God. I love what a preacher said, Juan Carlos Ortiz. He said, everything you have, everything you are, it all belongs to God, every bit of it. And he has this funny illustration. He's like, my wife. And he's like, it's God's. My kids, it's God. My dog, it's God's. My everything, it's God's. And he's like, now, give it to God. And he's like, well, then what am I left with? And he's like, hey, now God lets you steward it. He lets you take care of it. You steward it, but it, it, you belong to God. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 6, 6.20, you were bought at a price, therefore honor God with your bodies. God paid for you, he bought you, you are his, and you belong to him. And so if, we, if it all belongs to him, like, then we've got to realize like, who owns it all? 
And as I just said what Juan Carlos Ortiz said, God owns it all. God owns it all. Everything we have, God owns. And some of you are like, does he really? Psalm 24, 1 says, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all its people belong to him. Pretty clear. Psalm 50, verse 10 through 12, for every beast of the forest is mine and the cattle on a thousand hills. I know all the birds of the mountains and the wild beasts of the field are mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you for the world is mine and all its fullness. It's all his. It all belongs to him. 1 Corinthians 10, 26, one more. Some of you are like, well, those are Old Testament. New Testament, for the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. It all belongs to him. So everything I have belongs to him. And I'd be careful saying it's mine. It's really God's. He, he owns it all. Everything I have is really his. And everything that I do, he's given me the ability to earn wealth. He's given me the ability to have what I have. And I'm taking care of it. And I am a steward. You are a steward as well. And you may not realize this, but you are a steward. Once you gave your life to Jesus Christ and you said yes to him, you're saying, Lord, my life is now yours. Everything I have is yours. And he was saying to you, you are now a steward. Take care of it. Now you think, I didn't know that. I want to opt out. It's too late. I told you. (laughs) Can't opt out. All right. Now, there's a story about stewards, and and I won't read it to you, but I'll tell you where it's found in the Bible. It's found in Matthew 25, and it starts in verse 14. It goes through verse 30. And in this story of steward, God is giving uh, this this, uh, illustration of steward, and a steward is one who takes care of someone else's property or money or or, uh, belongings and they manage it well. That's what a steward is, somebody that does that. And so in this story, the uh, rich person gives five talents to one person, two to another, one to another, and he says, take care of it. If you know the story, the one that had five says, hey, I I turned your five into 10. And the owner's like, well done. The one that had two comes up and he says, hey, I turned your two into four. I was a good steward of it. He's like, well done. The other one says, you gave me one and I'm giving you back your one. I knew you're a tough guy. I didn't do anything with it. I hit it and I give it back. And the owner is furious. He's furious because he's like, you should have taken it, earned interest. You should have done something with it. And he's talking about stewardship in this, that he's like, I'm giving you something to take care of. And each one of us has been given something to take care of, one, two, or five. And, I, and here's my thing. I, I don't know how many I've been given. So I'm just like, I'm, I'm thinking I got five and I'm just going to live my life trying to do what I've got with what I've been given and saying, God, I want to be a good steward of everything that you've given me. The lazy guy doesn't think, he doesn't work, he doesn't try, and he makes excuses. And we are amazing at making excuses in America. And this, the excuses didn't work. And the other two were like, man, we're, we're going to do it. We're going to give. We're going to do it. We're going we're to obey. We're going to do whatever we can. We're stewards. We, we understand that what you've given to us, these talents, these things, we want to take it and we want to use it for your glory and for your honor. That's stewardship. Right. Stewardship. And we're going we're gonna to give an account for what we did and with our time, our talent and our treasure. And that's stewardship. And so he's saying, I've entrusted this to you and I want you to do this. And someday when you stand before me, I'm going to do a performance review for you. Some of you, how many of you are like, I'm not looking forward to the performance review. <laughs> how many, yeah, in the performance review, he's like, hey, guess what? 
You've been a steward. You've been entrusted with what I've given to you. I've given you this, and I want you to take care of it. I want you to manage it for my glory and for my honor, and I'm going to have a, a, a day for you that you're going to have a, a review, and you're going to stand before me, and I'm going to give you the review. And I'm wondering what God's going to say for a, to us in that review moment. I wonder if he's going to say, Great, great job. Well done, man. Everything I gave you, you managed it well. You did so good with it. I'm giving you a promotion. Or is he to say, hey, you um, didn't do really well with this. Um, you were a steward and you didn't really do. I'm putting you on a performance improvement plan. I'm, a, I'm actually going to demote you because you didn't do well. Or is he going to just in that moment, like, you're fired. I mean, I don't know what he's going to do. I don't know, but he's going to give us a, a performance review. Now, I want to be clear. I want to be clear. We are saved by grace. Okay? In case anybody's wondering, remember, we're all in different spots. We are saved by grace. You didn't earn your way into heaven. You received the gift that God gave to you, and you gave your life to Jesus, and he forgave you of your sins. You are saved by grace. And then once you are saved by grace, you now get to do things for his glory and honor. You now get to be a steward. You now get to give and live and do things that bring glory to his name. And the Bible tells us that there'll be rewards for that. There'll be rewards for that, that he's going to look at how we took our life and what we did with it, and he's going to give us rewards. Now, some have said to me, well, Pastor Rob, you're saying, though, that I'm, I'm in, right? I'm in, like I'm saved and I'm, and I'm not going to get kicked out, right? Like I'm in. I avoided hell and I'm in. And I'm like, I'm saying that. And they're like, then I'm good. And I'm like, what do you mean you're good? They're like, I'm good. I'm good. I'll just go to heaven empty handed. I'm good. And I'm like, why would you want to have that attitude? Why would you want to, to live that way knowing that, for, I don't know how that connects. I don't know how it connects that you understand that God forgave you of your sins, that he loves you so much, that he sent his son to die for you. You give your life to him and he's your Lord and savior. And then you just say like, I'm good. I'm good. I don't care if I do anything with it. I don't care. I just, I'm, I'm gonna live for me. I don't get that connection there. I mean, imagine guys that your wife actually told you what she wanted and didn't make you read her mind. How many know what I'm talking about? Right? <laughs> and she said, here's what I want. Here's what would make me totally happy. This is what I'd love for you to do. This is exactly what will give you rewards. This is what will we'll make our love grow. This is exactly what you're like, is that next week's sermon? I'm in, you know, like, like, okay. She's telling you, and you just say, I don't care. I don't care. You said, yes, I got a ring. You're stuck with me. How many know that you'll be going to see your pastor for counseling, right? Okay, I, I think... God has already shown you what he wants you to do. He's like, I want you to do these things with your finances. I want you to be generous. And he gives us all sorts of scriptures and insight onto giving and tithing and, and serving. And, do another, and he's saying, I, I've shown you exactly what I want you to do. It's that easy for us to do it. And if you really love him, you'll want to do what he wants you to do. I mean, I think I was talking to a Jewish rabbi and I said, your laws seem so cumbersome on you. And he goes, no, I love the laws. He goes, God has told me exactly what he wants me to do and I can't wait to do it. I thought that's just an incredible insight for us to be able to say, God has shown me exactly what he wants me to do and I can't wait to do it. 
We are stewards. God has entrusted us with different talents, different things, and each one of us has to give an account for what we did with what he gave to us. Our time, our talent, and our treasure. And he's saying it's all mine, and yet we live so much like we don't think it's really his. So uh, when, he, when he comes back and he asks how well did we manage the stuff, I hope that we can say we did it well. I hope that we can stand there with joy on our face saying, we, we, we read your word. We, we really worked at this. We had Bible studies on this. We challenged it. We understood that we were blessed to be a blessing. And we really did everything we can to bring glory and honor to your name. The things that you entrusted to us we didn't think it was our own. We actually loved you and, and realized it was yours and, and multiplied it and increased it and made it better for your glory and for your honor. Now, what is one of the things that I think help us in, in stewardship and getting rolling? I think it's tithing. I think tithing is like the training wheels when it comes to the financial area of saying, I am going to start giving. I understand I'm a steward. I understand this. And I'm going to start to tithe. And we teach that at River Valley Church. And that may be new to you. Um, if you're not in church, you probably never hear the word tithe at all. Never. Matter of fact, I had somebody come up like, uh, why do we give our tithes to the Lord? Like we don't wear tithes. Is that? I was like, no, tithes, you know. All right. Why do we give our tithes? Tithe, let me explain to you. It means tenth. Tithe means tenth, and it's easy math. i just help you out. Um, if somebody was to make $100,000, what would a tithe be on $100,000? $10,000. Somebody said pre-tax or after, you know, I was like, all right, don't, don't, make, let's keep it easy right here. I always say, people say, should I tithe on the gross or the net? I'm like, do you want gross help or net help? I want gross help. Anyways, all right. So, all right, a tithe is 10,000. I once had a guy... When I told him tithing was 10%, he's like, that's a lot of money. He's like, I can't do that. I said, well, what do you want me to pray God lowers your salary to you so you can start tithing? He's like, he's like, here's the thing. Here's the thing. And again, I know we're at all different spots. When we understand that God owns it all and he's given us these directions and he's showing us, he's saying, here's a way to honor me. Here's a way to honor me. And he talks about tithing. Tithing is in the beginning of the Bible. We see that Abraham, we see that Jacob, uh, we see these people tithing before there was ever a law. We see the law come forward and people start tithing there. We see people tithing in the New Testament, that Jesus was watching them coming in and giving their tithe. We see the early church uh, was, was continued to tithe hundreds of years after Jesus left the earth. We still have a record of the church tithing and doing that. I want you to know I've tithed my whole life. I've tithed my whole life. I started when I was a little kid on my allowance. I started to tithe back then. My parents made sure to give me my allowance in change, and I tithed then. I tithed when I started as a pastor, and I made $16,000 a year, full-time pastor, youth pastor, and we tithe on that $16,000. Beck and I now are just amazed that our, our kingdom builders is way beyond that. And we're just in awe that we tithed on 16,000. And yet God has allowed us to be blessed, to be a blessing and to write out checks that we're like amazed that praise God, I can't even believe what you've been able to do through us. We're blessed to be a blessing. 
We've always tithed and given some. And I say that it's really the, the training wheels, if you will, to get started on this journey. And it's not the end place, but it's the starting place for us to say, I understand I'm a steward and I do this. Now, most people don't tithe in America, less than 5%, about 4% tithe in the whole United States of America. In any church, there's about 10 to 25%. And I used to try to figure out like what percentage of our church tithe based on a number that we used in our community. But then we got some new data the other day and I'm like, you guys are way richer than I thought you were. And so I have no clue, you know, who ties. I'm, I'm just being honest. I mean, they were telling me even the demographics of 18 to 30 year olds were having so much more money than I ever thought we would have in our hands. But most people out in the world don't tithe. Most people in a church would say, I'll give some less than, um, you know, again, 5% of Americans tithe. And the average Christian gives about 2.5%. But we tithe. We tithe and we honor God with the first fruit and we honor God with that first tenth at our church, understanding that he owns it all, understanding that as we go through this series, we may have to realign some things. Next week, we're going to give some practical steps on realigning things in our life that are out of order. Because how many know God's not responsible for the credit card debt you got into that he didn't tell you to get into? So we're going to look at realigning that. But we give God the first bite and we give God the first tenth and we bring it in. We put it in the offering. We say, God, we're blessing your church and we're doing this. Let me give you a couple of scriptures. Proverbs 3, 9 and 10 says, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops, that your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new, with new wine. We're bringing the first fruits, the first tenth. We're saying, God, we trust you. And it's a matter of trust. It's saying, I'm not going to live by fear. I'm not going to think that I made this and I did this. How many know that if you give the last tenth to God, you're saying, I've got this. How many know when you give the first tenth to God, you're saying, you've got this and me. Take, okay, I trust you and I honor you. And there's so many scriptures about tithing and why we would tithe. And in Leviticus 27, verse 30, it says this, so that you may learn to revere the Lord your God always. That's what it's saying. A tithe of everything belongs to him so that you may learn to revere, so you may learn to say, you're in first place. I honor you. I bless you. And I put you first. It's a test. It's a test and we're saying, God, I I believe that you are true to your word and I love you and I wanna say that you're first in my life and I wanna pass that test. And some of you, this is new. You're like, I, 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 I didn't know that they did that. I, I, I'm still trying to figure this out. I'm telling you, you can look in Malachi chapter three and you can see that God's like talking to them. He's saying, come back to me, test me with the tithe. See if I won't uh, open the windows of heaven and pour out blessing on you that you can't contain. Remember, blessed to be a blessing. And he's saying, and so I'm saying, God, I want to trust you. And he's saying, I want you to do this so that you revere me. I want you to do this so that you honor me. And can I say this? God does not need your money. It's really a heart test that he wants to see if you'll pass. He doesn't need your money. He doesn't need your money. And I'm reminded of this, and I've shared it before, but um, I, I, I always love this illustration. So I brought it back again. And um, I brought back the McDonald's French fries. I mean, you know, these are like the best French fries. I don't care. I just, I got addicted as a kid and I can't shake it. All right. I was out uh, with our boys, Connor and Logan, and I wanted to do a heart test with them. And so we're eating our French fries. They're still good when they're cold. I'm just saying. 
we were out with our French fries, we were eating our meals, and, and the kids were sitting there. And I reached across the table just to see where their heart was, and I wanted a teachable moment. We were at McDonald's, and I went and grabbed a few of their French fries. And they looked at me, <laughs> and they said, those are our fries. And I said, well, do you want to share with that? And they were like, no. <laughs> to which I said, well, who, who bought you the French fries? <laughs> Sorry, I need to chew this. <laughs> I'm not going to be able to preach with it. I give caution for the front row. All right, yeah. <laughs> so I said, well, who bought you those French fries? And they thought for a second, you did? Well, who had the money for the French fries? Well, you did. So does dad really need your French fries? Because see, if I wanted more French fries, dad could go up to the counter and buy so many French fries, I could bury you in French fries. <laughs> and they kind of looked for a second like, that'd be awesome, you know. <laughs> and I said, do you think that as dad buys you French fries and dad buys you burgers and Happy Meals and things, that you could trust dad that I'm always going to take care of you? And if I ever need a few of your fries, you'll let me have them? And they're like, yeah. We can do that. And they started to share their French fries. I was like, you passed the heart test. You understand. And I believe this, that God's saying to you, okay, you, you can get caught up about the tithe. You say, you know, you're my child. You could get caught up. You're, you think I need your money. He's like, I don't need your money. As I read earlier, if I needed something to eat, I, could, I can take care of myself, God's saying. But he's saying, I want to see where your heart is. I want to see where your heart is. And I put something in there as a test to see where you're really at. If you understand who bought the French fries, if you understand who buries you with French fries, who blesses you to be a blessing. And I'm just asking us to continue to trust God as we do this, to first for many of us to realize, hey, I'm going to be a good steward of everything you've given me. God, I realize I need to take care of what you've given me better. And then the rest of us to say, God, I want to pass the heart test. You own the French fries. Everything I have comes from you. It's not that you need it. I need to give to you to show you that you're first. I would rather live on 90% blessed by God than 100% that stays in my hands. That's the way I'd want to live. And so, God, I just pray right now that you would help us in this series as we look into this. We're going to strengthen our finances. And we realize we've been blessed to be a blessing. I love that verse. But we also realize you own everything. And if you own it all, we're going to take care of it better. We're going to manage it. We're going to look. We're going to wonder if we should even buy things, if we should even do those things. Instead of wondering how, how little can we give and, and, and get away with it, we'd say, God, how much do you want us to keep? And how much more do you want us to give to you? God, I pray for our church right now, for people, that it's a test. And they're just hearing this and they're wondering, will they be obedient? I pray they'd be obedient. They'd be obedient, realizing that everything they have comes from you. You own the French fries. You bought them. You gave them to them. It's really you that blesses them. And so, God, I pray that right now they would trust you with that. I pray they'd trust you. I pray that it would continue to grow in our church. We'd be strengthened in this area, better stewards, stronger tithers, believing you and trusting you and realizing you own the French fries. Now bless us now, Lord, as we continue to manage this and, and steward it and give and live generously. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen.